Welcome to the Italian Football Podcast with John Solano, Carlo Garganese and Nima Tuvali. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese. Today, we have no Nima or John. They're both away on holiday, but we do have a fantastic substitute in the form of our good friend, uh, the brilliant broadcaster and journalist Adriano Del Monte, who he broadcasts for, well, for, for a number of places, Supersport uh, TV, BN Sports, ESPN, Sony Sports Network, Optus Sport, BT Sport, uh, and others. And he's, he's also presented uh, another, a number of big uh, football events and, and shows, including the Champions League, World Cup draws, the um, Europa League, Europa Conference League. Um, so he's a very, very busy guy. And last night he was actually at the Allianz Stadium to, to cover Juventus uh, against Benfica. Um, so he's the perfect guy to help me review that game and, and, and all the Champions League action. But particularly, I do want to talk to, to, to and really review Juventus's crisis and the, the Max Allegri situation. So we'll, we'll get into all of that. Um, but first of all, Adrian, thanks, thanks very much for, for joining us. Uh, how are you doing? Carlo, always a pleasure. Looking forward to chatting. I'm doing well. I'm doing okay, I suppose. I've just got home after my trip to Torino last night for Juve Benfica. And, well, I think, again, more questions than answers from another very, very underwhelming performance by an Allegri team. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of big questions and, and one big question in particular, and that is, and I saw you tweeting about it last night where, where you, you kind of pretty much said you're kind of on the same page as me that you think probably is the time now for, for Allegri to go. So do you think, given the crisis that Juventus find themselves in, they're, they're two, two defeats from two now from the Champions League, zero points, six points off qualification already. I mean, it's looking like they need already needs something of a mini miracle to qualify. Do you think Allegri should go now? I think there's no choice. Something has to give, something has to change. The club have to be bold. And if that boldness means Allegri out the door, it just has to happen. Something has to happen because this is a club that have just completely lost their identity. This is a club with one win in seven now. With a trip to Monza at the weekend, that there is no guarantee that three points are coming in that one either. A team that obviously very unfortunately denied the win against Salernitana, but what are you doing in the 95th minute at home against Salernitana needing a VAR decision to go your way to get maximum points? This is a team that have lost their opening two Champions League matches in a group stage for the first time in their history. All signs are pointing in a negative direction. And from what I saw last night, yet again, up and close pitch side at the Allianz, it's a team that are absolutely clueless going forward. It's just so frustrating to watch. And you and I have discussed so often how important it is for the Italian clubs to be performing on the biggest stage. And when our biggest club of them all, obviously in terms of a domestic sense, are putting up performances like that, something has to change. And I think certainly there are more at the club who have plenty to answer for. It's not just Allegri, but I think his inability to bring anywhere near the best out of this team, its he must be held accountable. And I think knowing the fact they're already on the verge of elimination in the Champions League in September, which is incredible, I think it's still early enough that they can make a positive impact with a change if they're bold enough and salvage this season in some capacity. Mm. Yeah, and okay, we'll, we'll get on to the, uh, a little bit later about everything else that's going wrong in the club because um, I know you have some strong feelings on that and we also look at potential uh, replacements if he does go. Um, you mentioned about them being completely clueless, completely structuralist. Now, this is something that I've been banging on about pretty much since the day that, that Allegri returned to Juventus, you know, coming on 15 months ago now, over a year ago now. And how, you know, how there, it, there is just no structure to the team. There's, there's no Nothing. style of play. There's no identity. There's yeah. no, and I use this term all the time, there's no patterns of play. Mm-hmm. There's no, no, no progressive football. They, they don't seem to be able to, to, to string a few passes together. But even positionally, they don't move as a team. Um, there's no pressing. There, there was pressing for like 15, the first 15 minutes last night and then everything just fell apart after that. There's no counter-pressing at all. 
Um, I, I remember vividly in the Salernitana game where one one moment where Juventus lost the ball and Mazzocchi travelled with it on the left wing about 40, 50 yards without anyone even making a challenge because everyone was backing off. And they just, as soon as they lose the ball, Juventus, they just all back off into a low block. I mean, it's it's such outdated football. Now, yep. having having been there at the games, you know, at a number of Juventus games this season, mm. and you're, you're close up and when you're at the stadium, you can see things that you can't see, you know, on TV. So you'll you'll see the structure, the lack of structure, even more. I mean, what what how bad is it in terms mm. of the lack of structure and the lack of identity when you see it at the yeah. stadium yourself? It's a very good question, and look, I think the the concerns that you've raised over the last fifteen months are, are spot on. I'm in full agreement with. But look, I think last night more than any match I've covered of Juventus this season, and. That This is mainly because of the quality of the opponent. Make no mistake, coming into this match, I favoured Benfica to come away with maximum points. They haven't won every match they've played this season by by chance. They're, they're a very, very good team, a very well-organised team, a very well-structured team, a team full of youth players from their academy, a team full of new signings who have adapted to a style of play. Juventus are the complete opposite. There, there is no – you are right, There, there is a – that there are clueless players in that team who don't know positionally where they should be, what they should be doing, particularly in the middle of the park. And that, for me, is where I really saw holes in Juventus last night. Defensively, there are issues. We, we know that. In attack, we know that they have issues bringing Vlaovic particularly into the game. But it's in the middle of the park. And the middle of the park for Juventus is the area that we have discussed now for six years that they needed to reinvest in and really strengthen in. And look, it's not about picking on individual players, but players for me of the quality of Weston McKenney, who I've never felt was was a player at a level that should be playing, let alone starting and playing 90 minutes in the Champions League for Juventus. These are players that are clearly beyond their depth playing at this level for this club. And conversely, last night, I'm not sure how well it, or how easy it was to see on, on the, the television, but certainly inside the stadium last night, Enzo Fernandez, who I didn't know much about before coming into this match, the number 13 for Benfica, joined from River Plate recently. He was, for me, the star of the show. He was pulling the strings, calling the shots. Everything went through this player in the middle of the park. At not one point did he have an opposing Juventus midfielder anywhere near him. He was able to play the ball, do as he pleased. Conversely, Juventus getting the ball in the middle of the park, it was rushed. It was find an open man, knock it wide, make it their problem. And it just led to no build-up play. And I really felt that as the match went on, Juventus became more desperate. The chances became fewer and further in between, let alone the fact they didn't even have any golden opportunities. I really felt that this was... I think the lack of structure came into play when Di Maria came in the game. Di Maria comes into the game, clearly the best player on the park with respect to everyone else. There were times where the likes of McKenney, Paredes, and the other midfielders would just pass him the ball and be be like, well, it's your problem now. Try beat four or five plays and let's see if we can create a half chance out of nothing. And there was, again, just no system, no structure to their attacking mm-hmm. movements. For me, though, the low light of the match and really where my frustration for Allegri reached potentially a new high was the moment that he decided to sub Milik off. Milik, by far the best player, the most threatening player in the last few games for Juventus. And if not for some injury or something that we may not know about, with respect to Vlaovic, Milik by far superior last night. Withdrawing Milik and replacing him with Keane later on and leaving Vlaovic there, there was just no avenue to goal and no way Juventus were going to get back in the match. So at this point, plan A is non-existent. Plan B, well, we don't even know what that is. And and that, again, coming back to why Allegri should move on, it's just because there is no synergy between coach and players at the moment. No, absolutely. And we saw there's a video that's, that's that you will have seen has gone viral um, with, with Di Maria questioning mm-hmm. Milik at, at full time and asking him, which is, again, which is not a good look. Um, you know, why the hell did, did the manager take you off? He was asking him. He even did the, the, the signal with his hands, you know, the, you know, the, the, the substitution sign with his hand. And, you know, so that's, that's not good either because it looked, I don't know what it looked like when you were at the stadium, but it looked to me, this is for the first time, it looked to me in the second half, the body language of the players was terrible. It yep, looked like the Juventus absolutely. players had given up. Yep. in the second half. And that's the something that we... they were colored. There was yeah. they were flat. There was just not mm-hmm. that that energy that the volia we say in Italian there there was mm-hmm. none of that. There was none of that fire, none of that passion, which at the very least even if you are not on top you can still show. It was non-existent. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is for the first time. I mean, as bad as Juventus have been throughout the Allegri time back at the club, mm. I never ever, not until uh, until last night's game, did I did I get the feeling that he'd lost the players or he'd lost some of the players. This was the first time that I've, I actually felt that he had lost them because that second half, it looked like they, they, they had completely given up. Maybe some of it was tiredness. And that's something that I want to come to after about the physical state of the players. Um, but it looked like they'd given up. Then we saw this Milik and Di Maria episode at the end. But I think it was also telling to me that, you know, when the post-match interviews, when all the questions were about Allegri, about where is he going to stay? Should he be sacked? And he was asked that himself. That not once did you see, you didn't see a single player, you know, stick up for him, say that we're with the manager. Um, you know, we didn't see anybody on social media saying they support the manager. I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but, you know, I would have thought that at least somebody, you know, would have would have given their support. And you also saw before the game, which was, again, this was pretty hilarious and also probably not very good. Arriva Bene, the CEO. Um, came out of a restaurant before the game with with somebody from the, the Benfica team. It went for you know went, went for, to the week before the game, and uh, you know a fan was was shouting at him you know Allegri out Allegri out, and he 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 responded you know well are you, you going to pay for the next one are you going to pay for the next manager <laughs> yeah. now he he actually ended up explaining himself afterwards and, and saying that it was just a joke you know I didn't mean anything I was just joking around but I think you know number one. The CEO shouldn't be making a joke like that because it, it it it's not very professional. It doesn't come across very well, especially as, you know with the situation. But number two, I think there was actually it actually showed that there is actually some truth in the, in what he said because Juventus are in a position where well, do they sack him because of the financial situation? You know, Juventus are about to post a two hundred and forty million euros loss for the year, which just shows how badly things are going on. You know financially as well as sportingly right now. Now, in order to sack uh, Allegri, they're going to have to pay him something around about 25 million net to, to pay him off for the rest of his contract. Now, I'm not sure what that translates into with gross, you know, when you include the taxes and stuff, but I'm imagining it will be 40 plus or something like that. So, I mean, that is a hell of a lot of money to, for a club that's in such financial situation. So so what do you do? Do you, do you, do you not sack him and stick with a manager who clearly, in, in my opinion... It looks like a lost cause for me. I don't. I think after 15 months, I've seen zero improvement at all. Um, you know, nothing. I've seen nothing. I've, and and you know, it doesn't look like anything's going to improve. Uh, or do you do you do you sack him, lose all that money? Then you have to hire somebody else and pay them, pay a new manager as well. Um, so they're kind of Juventus are stuck yeah. <laughs> between a rock and yeah. a hard place. Like they can't win really either way. I think this one is actually very simple. It's and I'd love your thoughts on it, but I really think this is simple. Obviously, they've made another bad business decision, one of many that they've made since the 2017 UEFA Champions League final. But I really firmly, strongly believe that keeping Allegri on just for the sake of not having to pay him out to avoid that financial blow is the worst possible outcome that they could do because it is well, currently Juventus are losing value on their players. The brand has taken a massive hit. They're not progressing in any competitions. And at this rate, they won't even finish top four playing this football. I think they need to dig deep. They need to be bold. They need to go and invest in someone who they truly believe in and will truly commit to. And I think that that change needs to be made now while the season can still be salvaged. I still believe this Juventus team are a good squad. I still believe this Juventus team can win their last four games in the group stage. I think that winning home and away against Maccabi Haifa is possible. I certainly think that if they're playing a better brand of football with more confidence, more energy, I certainly think they can go to Lisbon and get the points. And then against the Paris Saint-Germain side on match day six, who definitely will have already qualified for the round of 16 if things go according to plan, mm -hmm. and definitely with three superstars in Mbappe, Neymar and Messi who will be firmly looking at the World Cup World a few Cup. weeks later, yeah. I think there's a massive opportunity still in this group. With Allegri, there is zero chance and maybe not even the Europa League will be the, the eventual outcome because who knows what could happen home and away against the Israeli team. I think they need to be bold though in making that decision. Obviously, we can discuss who those potential candidates can be soon. But I think that when we look at the finances, okay, maybe it's going to cost 40 gross to, to pay him out. And maybe then you bring in a top new manager and you that's another new 20, 30 million 
deal over a couple of years. But that's essentially, let's say, a 60 million hit. Obviously, it's a big hit. But that's essentially like signing a new key player. And I think that's where Juventus are at at the moment, that this position really needs to be invested in. They tried the cheap option in Pirlo. I thought it worked. I thought it worked much better than what this has been doing at the moment. But obviously, Mm. they didn't think so. They took a step away. They can't go back down that path. They need a key figure at the top to lead this club forward. And there are some out there. Are they bold enough to make that decision? I think they need to be, but it's up to them whether or not they pull the trigger. No, I'm I'm in total agreement. I, I said it on Monday in our podcast on Monday that I think that Allegri is a sunk is a sunk cost now. I think mm-hmm. that you know you you've lost that money now. You've lost that forty million or or however much it will cost to pay him off. You just whatever you do, you just have to write that off. Now you you have to make the decision. Well, we've already lost forty million. If we stick with Allegri, we're going to lose more because number one, we're going to go out of the champ. We're definitely with Allegri. We're going to go out of the Champions yeah. League group stages. So you're going to lose all the money that you would make through qualifying, through getting to the last 16 or quarterfinals or however far you get, which is absolutely crucial to it to, to all Italian clubs' revenue, the Champions League is. Um, and then you're also, like you said, rightfully so, top four is going to be very difficult as well with Allegri. Because for me, I think Milan, Inter and Napoli are by far, far ahead of, of, uh, of Juventus um, right now. Uh, I see those three teams definitely finishing above Allegri's Juventus. Then I think it's really probably out of Juventus and, and Roma for, for, for four phase through the way the season started. I mean, things can change, you know. Throw Atalanta uh, in there as well without yeah. European football. I think they've, they've yeah. got some some potential as well, absolutely. No, exactly. No, absolutely. Yeah, so that's, a, that's a good point. So, you know, and I wouldn't trust them. You'll be gambling again for them to get forth. So, and they're just like, they're just not developing. So what is the point? I mean, what's the point of keeping around? And, you know, they've won two of their last 12 games, including the end of last season, you know, you said they've lost, they've only won one in seven, but they've only won two of 12, you know, so this isn't just a bad run of form. This is something that's been going on for a long, I mean, that's relegation form, you know, and he's breaking all kinds of the, I mean, it's the first time Juventus have ever lost their first two Champions uh, Champions League games. He he just seems, I hate to say, but he just seems delusional. Like when you see, even when you see what he says at the end of games in his press, press uh, in his press conferences yeah. after him, he said last night that, Juventus could have won three one, he said. He goes, you know, and I just think, what game, what game were you watching? I mean, it could have ended five or six one for Benfica for sure. in that second half. I mean, it's like it's, it's unbelievable. So, yeah, um, let's let's before we we move on to though to who could replace him. Um, what what I do want to uh, look at is, you know, is the problem at Juventus right now bigger than Allegri? You know, i.e., would hiring a new manager, whoever it may be actually solve anything or is the problem above him and I'll give you the a perfect example of that Manchester United over the last decade they've hired coach after coach after coach they've thrown so much money in the transfer they spent so much money in the transfer market you know but they've been so badly run so incompetently run in so many different departments on the pitch you know the transfer uh, transfer policy um you know everything to do with the football inside of the club, basically. Um, you know, and I look at Juventus and I think that that is, that is the same, that is true at Juventus as well. I mean, I look at the transfer policy since Beppe Marotta left, starting with the, starting with the, the signing of Ronaldo. Um, then you look at, you look at the, the medical department, JJ Medical at the moment. I mean, the, 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 the number of injuries they've not only got now, but, but over the last, again, last one to two years, and, and also the fitness of the players. I mean, the first 15 minutes last night was actually pretty good. They showed good intensity. They pressed. They were getting at Benfica. You know, they looked, you know, they looked good. You thought, wow, this is brilliant. But they couldn't maintain it. And we've seen that time and time again in the few games that Juventus have played well over the last year or so under Allegri. They've never been able to maintain it for longer than a half. I remember the Villarreal game. Uh, which I think you were at as well, the second leg, uh, where the first half they played really well. They were completely dominant. Villarreal didn't even get out of their own half. Then Juventus just fell apart physically in the second half and they got picked off and they lost. The Inter game at home, I remember, when Juventus played probably their best half under Allegri. Um, To be fair, they were very unlucky in that game as well. Decisions went against them. But, you know, they played really well. And then again, they just fell away physically in that game the same in the Coppa Italia final as well they just you know they don't doesn't seem like they're physically prepared um for the 
for the rigours of really like elite football. Um, so there's that as well. Then, of course, you've got Andrea Ranielli himself. Um, and I mean, in my opinion, pretty much every decision he's made since including and since getting rid of Marotta has, has, has been a disaster, <laughs> to be honest with you. And, and include the Super League, how that was executed as well. It was amateurish, the way that he's executed. But then you look at the number of coaches that he's hired and fired, like one a year. I mean, that's he's he's acted like, you know, to give you an example, a bit like the Marathi, like Marathi, Massimo Marathi used to, used to used to operate during um, the you know the middle of his time there at Inter, where he would sack coach every year or two in a, two in a year, you know, and it's everything was just such a mess and so chaotic and um, you know just just wasn't very well run. Um, so you've had that, you've had the transfer policy. I mean, Paratici, although he's doing not too bad at Tottenham, I thought. I mean, he was terrible. Um, I thought at Juventus and then he said, Eva Bene, I still need to be won over by him. I'm you know he doesn't have any football in back. He doesn't have any football in background at Eva Bene. He's come from Ferrari where he didn't do particularly great things in his early 60s. You get a job in your early 60s, your first job in football, proper job, operative role in football mm-hmm. at the age of the early 60s. I'm I'm already asking questions. I might be unfair there, but yeah. I'm asking questions. So, you know, it's what what's your take on it? I mean, yeah. do you feel like there's something wrong in the club itself above the manager? No doubt. I think you've raised some really interesting points there. I think all of them collectively point to one thing and one thing only. The club is just not in sync. There is no synergy between departments. There is no synergy between decisions. They're running an incredible business off the field. We know the money that was invested into building the new stadium, into redeveloping the entire area. It's quite beautiful. It's phenomenal what they've done. I wish every club in Italy were able to do exactly the same. But that has not translated in any case now to what's happening on the pitch. So the business may be making some money. They may be taking a hit a little bit with their poor business decisions on the pitch. But off the pitch, well, the business looks all flashy and good. But on the pitch, things are a mess. And we have seen this coming for so long. Fans have seen it. People in the industry have seen it. People at the club have seen it. It's just a a, a messy business inside. And look, I know a lot of people that work at that club, a lot of wonderful people doing incredible things and, and they, they work hard and you know they're all part of, of the, 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 the objective, which is take this club back to the top of European football. But as things stand at the moment, there has to be more to it than just, oh, well, Marotta's gone, so we've just made a couple of bad decisions and now we found ourselves here. So in, in short, is Allegri the sole problem of this club? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Rehiring him was a big problem at the start. If there was no way to entice or bring in anyone fresh, well, perhaps we, perhaps as a club, as a, as a league, it would have been in a better place. I think at the present time, I'm not sure that Agnelli has the same support that he had around him when the club was stable and winning. And we know that when Marotta left the club, we know that things started to change in terms of football decisions. We know that there were already issues internally. We know that he was not in favour of the Ronaldo move, nor was I, nor still am I after all that time, because it was a move made by Agnelli for the wrong decisions. And I think we've discussed this before on, on the podcast previously, but the Ronaldo acquisition proved to me personally exactly what was wrong with the direction of Juventus Football Club and that they were bringing in one of, if not the greatest of all time, to put a cherry on top of the business cake. Sure, he came in and scored his 100 goals and people debate all the time. It wasn't him who was a problem, it was Juventus. He wasn't a problem because he delivered. But when you pay one player 30 plus million euro and you're struggling in every other department of the park, it's a ridiculous acquisition. And as a result now, the flow on effect is that you mentioned earlier, what, 240 million euro in the red from the last 12 months. Well, that's a key reason as to why. There are so many things that need to be fixed and amended in this front. But at the moment, it just feels like every decision is going against what they should be doing. And so questions do need to be asked top to bottom. Obviously, there are a couple of notable former players who have now gone into the, well, obviously now former players, and there is some talk that they may come back to the club in new roles. And I think the time, if ever, is right. It is now that in the next three to five years, we see change. I wouldn't call for sudden change across every 
respect every element of the club, but I think the comparison you made to Manchester United, I think it's a fair one because at the moment, again, I come back to my original point, I just don't see synergy in the decisions made from top to bottom off the field on the field. And that's where Juventus find themselves where they're at at the moment, which is quite incredible after a club that won nine straight Scudetti only a few years ago. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more with, with everything that, that you say there. Um, it was, it's just, just before we move on to the managers, though, um, it's it, one other thing which, which I haven't brought up that's, that's been quite interesting is just how many empty seats uh, yeah. there, there, there were last night and there has been in, in yeah. a lot of Juventus home, home games. You'd think Champions League must win game. You know, Champions League, the biggest club competition there is. You know, that music goes on. It's, it's where every fan would want to go. Now, Juventus, sure. the biggest, by, you know, by distance, the most well-supported club in, in Italy. Mm-hmm. They, can't even, they can't even fill out their stadium. Not even close. There was one stand that looked virtually half empty. It was. Um, the it one was. that you see on the TV, from yeah. the TV cameras which, in front which of you. Can I, can I just touch on that? This is a problem across the board in Serie A as well. That they, another concept that they just do not grasp. If the section of the stand that is in view of the main camera is empty, it makes your product look awful. Yeah. Plain and simple. If you look like you're playing in front of no one, the product doesn't look as flashy. I believe it's La Liga where – if they've got a, a stadium which isn't full, they tend to pack fans into where the cameras will be to give it a better image for the TV viewer because it's a better sell of the product. This is one thing that Serie A need to improve in because they just have no idea about that whatsoever. But for Juventus, it is right. There were a number of seats free last night at the match. I can tell you that the, the noise and atmosphere from the Kudva was probably the best I've heard for some time. There was that buzz and excitement from the Kudva, which was pleasing, but in the end, minimal impact, too many free seats. And look, I think Juventus, again, as a business, as a club, they need to look at their pricing model for these games. There is no reason why they should not be selling out a 45,000-seater stadium every week. They need to, especially games of this significance, they need to be sold out for many, many reasons. And if that means making it a bit more affordable, encouraging more people to come or they need to start looking and assessing these options because it's not good enough that you have 35,000 only for a Juventus home match in the Champions League. And like you said, the best supported club in the country, it's, uh, it's part of the, it's part of the problem. It's, it's, it's evidence that there is a problem and things again, reason why things need to change. Yeah. And I, and I think it's also evidence uh, as well. I know there's, there's an issue between Agnelli and the the ultras. It's, It's something that's been going on for a while whereby um, and, I, and I do kind of, I am sympathetic with Agnelli on this point, actually. Um, I, I do understand what he's trying to do. He's looking at the Premier League um, and he's looking at how Premier League stadiums are family friendly. Um, and, you know, OK, there's a corporate element to that. But I do I do see where he's coming from. You know, if you go to a stadium, you don't you don't want to be fearing for your life. You don't want to, you know, there to be violence. And, and obviously the ultras are, unfortunately, they are connected with that. Um, so I do understand that, but at the same time, it's it's the situation now is harming Juventus. So that's something that has to be that has to be solved. Uh, but at the same time, I also think that you know Juventus fans, I've never seen them as disillusioned as they are now uh, in all my life as a you know watching football. I ne- I never remember the, the Juventus fan base being. You know, it's got to the point now where we're way past the anger stage in the in the in the in the stage of emotions. We're way past that. It's it's to the it's got to the point now where Juventus fans are when they watch games, it's they just there's just no emotion at all anymore. They, there's nothing. It's just like well, they know they're going to play badly. They know that they're probably not going to get a good result. But if they do get a good result, it's you know it's just no. They just they just don't want to watch you know. And 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 I think that's another reason why you know fans are like, well, why should I even go to to the stadium to watch Juventus? I'm not going to enjoy them. They play such bad football, um, and you know so and we're not even you know we're not even winning anymore either. And we keep hearing Allegri say, and it drives me. Mad. It's the one thing that does drive me mad <laughs> is when he goes on about saying, well, you know. I don't care about, you know, if you want to see good football, go to the circus, he's his famous saying. <laughs> you know, and he keeps saying about, you know, I don't want to play good football. I just want to win. You know, that's all yeah. that counts. Well, the thing is, you're not winning at the moment. <laughs> you're not winning. So why why make that point? It's, it's, exactly. It, it drives me mad. And and, the, and he just doesn't seem to grasp that, that sure. in modern football, 
um, you know, playing progressive, good football generally translates, not all the time, there's always exceptions, but generally mm. it translates into winning football now. That's I, what has, that's been the case for the last three to five years, generally. Oh, and generally the case in general, isn't it? But mm. Carlo, I need, I need to ask you, because last night post-match I was live, so I missed some of the Allegri press conference. I did see a couple of comments on Twitter, and I just want some confirmation from you on this, whether or not they were valid comments. But I read that Allegri was questioned about whether or not he's the problem at the club. And his response was something along the lines of, I'm not the problem because we're in a bad moment, but I'm going, I am the solution yes. to resolving the problem, which is just absurd for me when I read that and I couldn't quite believe it, but just confirming that is a real quote. Yes, that, that is, that, <laughs> that is, uh, that is what was, has been reported. Yeah. By, yeah. by, um, by, uh, he says, I feel part of the solution. I must Correct. find the, find the solution. That, those, those were his words. Uh, when I returned, I thought it would take time to build. Unfortunately, I don't think we could lose two games in a row. I didn't think we could. Blah, 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 blah. These defeats mm-hmm. are annoying, but it's useless to, to talk too much now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he he he, th- yeah. he, he believes he's part of the solution. Yeah. Um, you know, all the words from, from the people close to the club that I've spoken to since um, believe that he he's not going to resign. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a massive payoff. So, you know, why would he? Um, and that... You know, at the moment, it doesn't seem like they're going to second. But I mean, there is a lot of pressure from fans. So For sure. we'll have to see. I mean, if they don't beat Monza, uh, and it would be ironic if it was Silvio Berlusconi yeah. who, <laughs> who put the final nail in his coffin. Um, a Monza team that have got one point this season and have looked dreadful themselves. And they've got a few good players. But yeah. they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're a team with no structure or no, no, you know, they're just not, not a team at all either. I mean, then that really would be I mean, surely then. I mean, I think now it should it should be untenable now. But mm. you, if they lose to Monza or they don't beat Monza at home, I mean, he has to go. Uh, oh, and must, if must. yeah, and if he does, and if he does, so this is the question: Who would you replace him with? Mm. Well, it's, uh, this is uh, we could debate this for for a very long time. Who would you replace him with? Look. I'm a big believer in in timing of things. You know, you put your head down, you work hard, and sometimes things just fall in your lap at the right time. Now, I don't know if it's the the, the ideal coach for Juventus, but I just something inside me with the timing of the Tuchel dismissal at Chelsea, I just think that would be a very fortunate opportunity to make a big bold move for a coach who's done some really big things in recent seasons. Is he the if you had a choice of 10, 20 coaches, best coach in the world, would he be number one? Probably not. But I just feel that there is a really established, experienced, successful manager ready to be taken and and was still hungry to coach this season. A lot of people, Pochettino's come up, I've seen a bit. I'm not so sold on Pochettino. Zidane, a bit the same. There's some whispers that he's interested in France. Look, I think they have to be bold and go for a top, top name manager. And for me, Tuchel ticks probably more boxes than others at this point in time. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, looking at who is available, those names you just mentioned there, mm. um, Pochettino didn't impress me at, with at no. PSG. Zidane, no. as crazy as it sounds for a manager that was that's won so many Champions League titles, I still feel he's kind of unproven. <laughs> so, uh, we again, we we think very similarly. I'm I'm with you. It sounds ridiculous. That's why yeah. I sort of avoided saying those words, but yeah. it's it's true. And I don't know is he the man to come in and bring this mess of a squad back to what it should be? I don't think so. It wouldn't be my first choice at all. But obviously, he has the UV inside of him. There's that side, which I'm not going to disregard. But no, he's not top of my list at this point. No. And I think he's surely going to France to replace Deschamps after agree. the World Cup. I mean, I it, 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 it adds up, doesn't it? And um, the, the other name that has been mentioned, and I've seen it today, is Deserbi. Uh, and I know mm. he's in negotiations with Brighton, but mm. they're also in negotiations with, with other possible managers as well. Yep. Um, you know, so there is Deserbi as well, but again, mm. it's it's a bit of a gamble. I mean, I like him. I like his vision of football. Um, you know, I like him. He's a progressive coach. He plays good football. He improves yeah. players, which is something that is something that Allegri is just incapable of. He just doesn't. You yeah. can't you can't name me a single player that has improved no. under Allegri. You know, no. uh, significantly. I mean, some people say, "Oh, but Desilio's De improved." I mean, he's improved from one out of a hundred to two out of a hundred. You know, you know. So it's like, you know, I'm exactly. talking about, you know, you look at Locatelli, 
the player that joined from from the Euros, and he hasn't. Yeah. He's re- probably regressed. Vlaovic mm-hmm. is is the same player at, yeah. at best, and he's got one goal in open play this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so Chiesa was regressing last season before his injury. Yeah. I mean, he just doesn't he doesn't improve players at all. No. Uh, he doesn't develop players, which deserve he does. Um, so you know, he he. Uh, that's one thing I do like about him. But then you're got, jumping from Sassuolo, Shakhtar. He wasn't there for exactly. very long. I mean, it's a gamble, isn't it? It's not a guarantee. Whereas with Tuchel, you think, okay, well, you know he's been at big clubs. You know he's been with big players. He's been in a situation at Chelsea that was similar when he joined and they were they were a banter club under Frank Correct. Lampard. And then within four months, he won the Champions League. So Correct. It's, yeah, I think, I think you go for Tuchel, but I know at the same time, I know he's going to be expensive. Yeah. But thing. as we discussed earlier, for me, I think that that expense is now at a point where it's worth it. And I feel that this dismissal of Allegri and arrival of new manager, it has to be considered as effectively a new player arrival. So if you're willing to spend 40, 50 on that new player, well, unfortunately, that new player is not going to be able to arrive because as a club, they need to make this investment. This is a worthy investment. Now, I wouldn't be against the Zedby. I, I like the idea of a of an up-and-coming Italian manager. I like the idea of a really well, it's it's a it's a pretty raw squad, this Juventus team. There's there's plenty to do with it. There's plenty of work to be done. There's some young players coming through. I think it could be positive but you know ultimately Sassuolo where he did his best work he only had a win percentage rate of sub 36 percent he went to Shakhtar obviously difficult time there and 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 that's and that's done quickly so it's look the ZB could but it's there's going to be a lot of things that are going to need to fall in place for him to to really prosper and do very well and and again obviously more experience than what they had when they brought in Law, but for me, it's more down that sort of, well, let's go for a cheaper option, but let's hope that it works out. With Tuhul, there's no guarantee with anything in life, but with Tuhul, you've got a likely a chance of, of growth, of improvement. And if he was able to turn around that rabble of Frank Lampard's Chelsea, <laughs> I think there's a bit more quality here that he can, he can really work with. And I also look to the fact of as well, Tuhul built some nice relations with some of those Chelsea players. We know that maybe some of those Chelsea players could be on the way out. There could be that opportunity as well for a Juventus team that are still needing to to top up and replace in certain areas, and I'm not against that at all. I think that Tuchel would certainly be the one to invest with. I think that he would be one to commit to. But in doing so, it cannot be a case of Agnelli where the club goes through four coaches in four seasons again. You, you really commit this time and you really commit to a plan, you'd be Bold. Bold is the word which Juventus have not been in these seasons. They've made decisions which, as I said, have not been aligned with other decisions. And ultimately, you know, when you go from five years ago renewing Kedira's deal for $6 million a year for no reason to then offering Ramsey and Rabiot $9 million each per season, you've got no strategy. And I think they have to really put full trust in a new manager that comes in, give them a few, two, three, four years to do what they need to do and bring this club back to where it deserves to be. Yeah. Spot on. I couldn't agree more. Okay, that, that's enough of Juventus. Um, we, we will just go through quickly the, the three other Italian teams mm. that, that played in the Champions League this week. Apologies, everyone, that the last two episodes have been so dominant, dominated by Juventus, but obviously it is the, the big, massive story of Italian football, which uh, I think everybody is really interested in. So that's why we, we've spoken a lot about Allegri. But we'll move on to Milan versus uh, Dino Zagreb. 3-1 win for Milan. Um, I'll just give my two cents on this first. Um, I thought that it wasn't a great performance by Milan, um, but they got the win. I think they deserved to win. I think they, they they had a lot of shots, but they didn't create too many clear clear chances. Um, I thought that really they won this game because they're two star players. They're two difference makers. Uh, Rafael Liao and Teo Hernandez, they, they stepped it up for, for key moments of this game. And Rafael Liao... He won the penalty for the first. He got a brilliant assist for seller makers, step overs and cross for the second. And then Teo Hernandez went on that little trademark run down the left and cut it back for Pobega to score the third. So that was really, I think, what won Milan the game. Um, But in the end, you know, they're in a good position now, Milan. Chelsea drew uh, their game. So they've got a double header against Chelsea with a three-point gap over Chelsea. So Milan are looking pretty solid for qualification, right? 
Very solid. Look, I was pitch side at Juve while this game was being played, so didn't catch the, the full match, was trying to watch as much as I could. But it's a Milan team that are playing in a fashion that, well, Juventus need to get to that level, don't they? We've just touched on it. But Milan really are a united group. And I love covering Milan in Serie A because they play with a spirit and energy that will help them grow, obviously, off the back of last season where they were drawn into that group of death in the Champions League, albeit disappointingly eliminated bottom of the group. They'll take a lot from that. And we're starting to see signs of improvement collectively. You're right. They've got those couple of stars that, that when they need to, they can be the difference makers. But this is a Milan team that I really feel should be targeting a quarterfinal appearance this season. I, I actually tip them to win this group. I just I don't rate Chelsea at all. I'm not surprised that they're they're struggling thus far in the competition. But this home and away now against Chelsea, match day three, Stanford Bridge, match day four at the San Siro. Four points out of six from these two matches. Milan are, Milan are going through. There's no doubt about it. So I'm really excited for Milan. Obviously, big match in Serie A this weekend against Napoli. But this Milan team really playing at a level that, look, it's inspiring people in Italy. Milan are back. They're back in European football and hopefully get through the group this time around and can really make a name for themselves. And this young squad can do some things this season. I really believe in them. Yeah, no, I agree. I think you mentioned about strategy there um, and the lack of strategy at Juventus. That's something that we have, and synergy. You mentioned the lack of synergy as well through yep. the departments. That's, that's something that we absolutely have at, at, at Milan. You, you see, especially especially between the the transfer depart, transfer policy and the, the transfer, the, 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 the you know Masada and Maldini Correct. working on the transfers and the coach and the players that they want and how when they sign players they they sign specifically for the style of football uh, that they want to play for the, 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 that suit the formations. You know, they, they know what they're trying to sign. And mm-hmm. that's something with Juventus that we just haven't had for, for a good few years now. Um, you know, they have Correct. The, the piece. And, then, and that's one thing also, you mentioned Chelsea. That's one thing that Chelsea, I think, have got very wrong this summer, that they mm-hmm. haven't bought players for certain systems or or that can f- play with one another, that the pieces of the jigsaw don't fit together. And that's something that Milan have done really, really well, especially building around young, young players as well who can improve and can be developed. And Pioli's done a great well in the great job in developing them as well so yeah it's, it's, it's looking good and also one, one last point about Milan I'd like to make is you know their high press has is, is really impressed me it impressed me in the derby against Inter where they had too much energy for them but it also impressed me in this game in that even though they weren't playing brilliantly against Dino Inzaga they weren't creating that many chances they were winning the ball high up so many times and Sailor Makers, who's, who's got two goals in two games in this group so far, is the perfect example of that because he is quite a limited player, let's be honest. He's not the best player technically in the world, but you watch him, how many balls he wins high up the pitch, his chasing back, winning the ball back for the, for the team. And in modern football, you know, it's not something that everybody likes, but it is an important part of modern football. And he's somebody, he's an example of someone who fits into their the dynamic of what they want from their players. So, yeah, well done to Milan. Uh, well done to Napoli as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> so they they have been the team to watch, haven't they? In, in, Napoli, in Italy, this I, even in I Europe, was, maybe. Yeah, Napoli are, are a special, special team. I covered. Oh, it was my first ever match at the Maradona in the Champions League. I covered match day one, Napoli Liverpool, and that Lovely. was as special a match as I've ever been to. It was an incredible experience. The the Maradona is something else. There's no doubt about that. And to see them score four against Liverpool in quick time was was incredible on a night when it should have been seven. Let's let's mm. not beat around the bush. It was unbelievable performance. And I I think Napoli can certainly win that group. I think that they have the ability to do that. And they're again, this Napoli team, well, we saw the usual, didn't we, Carlo? We saw the, the British pundits after the match come out and just suggest the fact that Liverpool went down because they're struggling and without stars, albeit the fact that they still had eight of their regulars starting that match. But credit all to Napoli because losing the players that they lost, and obviously it's been discussed already, but losing the, the quality of player and the, 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 the iconic players that they lost and replacing them in the manner that they've, they've done so quickly, mm. well, Spalletti has made it look just so easy and this team are absolutely flourishing. And well, what a performance to go to Rangers, win 3-0, Tough, tough away trip. No, no away fans. Fans. no fans at all. Incredible, incredible mm. achievement. So Napoli, for me, uh, really exciting. And obviously Ajax home and away coming up next. 
they you know they're they're only a few points away and they're they're going through there. It's a really really promising team, and I think they and many people were writing them off in Serie A. Let's not forget that already at the start of the season, and so far so good. So can't wait to see more of them. Yeah, I, I have to put my hands up and, and say and say that before the season started, as mm. soon as I, I watched the watched them in the first game, I, I was kind of like, well, okay, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have said that. But I, I did have my doubts. I thought yeah. that they, I thought they'd got rid of too many leaders, yes. too many important people in the dressing room Likewise. all at once, all at once. You, when you lose Insignia, Mertens, Koulibaly, and then Fabio Nariz, you lose four, okay, three and a half first team players all in one window, but. All, all with so much experience, so many games behind them. You know, you lose them all at once. Um, mm-hmm. I just thought, I thought maybe that's too much. But you know, what they have done is that they, the, the, the players they brought in have been fantastic so far. Mm-hmm. And but there's just so much more energy uh, and intensity. And obviously, Cavalascalia, uh, Cavaradona is has what just been a, it's just been an absolute revelation he looks like a, a superstar of the what future. a player that was the first time that was the first napoli match i'd covered this season i've got milan napoli this weekend cannot wait to see him at the sun Cyril. but mm. what a player he made van dyke alexander arnold look like they were absolutely nothing and yeah. just a, an electric exciting player and i did read some reports that he was potentially close to juventus as well so yeah. another poor decision on their front but what a player and again a very exciting team going forward with all of that quality and depth as well so i've got big hopes for napoli this season and like milan i'm for me i'm targeting a, a quarterfinal appearance for this napoli team i think they have the quality to do exactly that yeah they've got the european game and they also do they like you just said they have the depth i mean they've got six players for for, for the three front three positions Correct. that are all Good. I mean, you look at the first choice front three are, are Kvara, Osimen, and and let's say Lozano. But then you know you've got Politano. I think is very underrated and he's developed so well over the last year or two. Then you've got uh, Simeone, and then you've got uh, Raspadori. I mean, that is the envy of many teams in Europe to have that kind of depth in attack. And they they create so many chances uh, and they score so many goals. They always look like scoring. They always create. And same happened with Rangers uh, last night. They they created plenty of chances. And, you know, Rangers had a few chances themselves, but it was a, you know, totally deserved win for Napoli. And they're now in a really excellent position. They've got six points from two games. Ajax have got three. Liverpool have got three. Yep. Um, Rangers, zero. They've got the double head against Ajax. If they take four points from six, they're through. But even if they take three, I think they'll be in a perfectly fine position going into the into the last two match days. So, they're, yeah, they're so looking good. good. They're looking good, yeah. Finally, uh, in Champions League... Um, Victoria Peltsen against Inter. Uh, comfortable win this for Inter. I've forgotten the score now. Was it 2-0? 2-0. 2-0. Two, two two and Dumfries, right. Um, yeah. So it seems, like a, it seems like ages ago now with everything. It that does, it does. Juventus. Um, so, yeah, uh, not too much to say on this other than I thought Dzeko was, was really good. He showed that he yeah. still has something to offer. Uh, I thought Acerbi had a great debut. Uh, really, really Likewise. great debut. Defended well, used the ball well. Showed that he's actually probably in better form than, than probably all the other defenders. Yeah. Even though it's a fun game. Brozovic was good in midfield. Dumfries has been criticised. I thought he was really, really good. The only the, the only player that's disappointed me in this game. For everyone else played well apart from one player. And now I want to ask your view on this. Like, what is yeah. going on with this player, Barella? What, what's yeah. happened? What's happened to him since the Euros? I mean, he doesn't look the same player. He doesn't, and I, I knew you were going to say Barella because I I share the same thoughts. Oh, it's I don't know what's going on with him, but he does he lacks that same level of bite, that energy that that he once had, and he just the quality is is not there. Look, obviously there it's a it's an inter team at the moment that's more or less you know same squad. It's uh, they've had their issues thus far this season. I know that Nima's happy with Onana getting the start again in in this one, and and look another clean sheet there. But yeah, Barella is is one to keep an eye on because I've seen also covering a few Inter games, even just the the energy off the ball and just around the park. He just I don't know doesn't seem to be as fiery and as passionate as he he normally is. So. We'll see. I think that I think that there's obviously an interesting period coming up for the Italian players in Serie A, given the fact that the World Cup will be a, a six-week pause for them with nothing else to do. Maybe it's a case of a couple of seasons of non-stop football just getting the better of some of these players, maybe coupled with the disappointment at international level. I'm not so sure. But yeah, a player certainly not at the same level as we saw 
what, only 14 months ago when Italy incredibly won the Euros and now we're mm. not going to the World Cup. But yeah. Would you I, drop look, him? I'm, Would you drop oh, him for, for, for Italy? For Italy, sorry. For, for Italy for Italy at this point, I think in, in midfield is probably our strongest area of the park. So I don't think that that's a guaranteed starter there. Verratti for me is, is the only one who would be a guarantee to, to start mm. in, in his role there. But we know that there's a lot of quality coming through in the middle. Uh, so I don't think he's a certain starter. Do you drop him? Italy play England next Friday. Does Barella start? Probably. I think Mancini mm. will, will will go with that. But yeah, no, I don't think that at this point in time, if there was World Cup to come and given this form, I don't think that he's a guaranteed starter at this point. No. But I stick mm. with him because we know that the quality is there. But something needs to something needs to change. Mm. Okay, great. Right. Um, let's just just to finish off. Let's uh, let's look ahead to the to the weekend. Um, Roma awesome. actually played since our last podcast. Roma actually played uh, and they they won against Empoli two one on Monday. So we'll just we'll talk about that a little bit when when we talk about Roma Atalanta. So I'll just first of all I'll, I'll run through the fixtures. We've got Salernitana Lecce on Friday. Then we've got Bologna against Empoli, Spezia Sampdoria, Torino versus Sassuolo. All on Saturday. That's Thiago Motta's first game in charge of Bologna in those in the first of those games. Then we got Udine on Sunday. We have got Udinese, Inter, Cremonese, Lazio, Fiorentina, Verona, Monza, Juventus, Roma, Atalanta, and Milan versus Napoli on Sunday evening. So we'll start off with Milan Napoli because because uh, you're at that game. You're covering that game for BT Sport. Mm-hmm. Um, this is obviously a huge game between maybe the two best teams in Serie A, or maybe. Yep. The two biggest, the two best teams out of the biggest teams, let's say, um, so far. Um, the the key talking point, I guess, is there's no Rafael Liao in this game. So hmm. could that tip things in Napoli's favour, maybe? No Liao, no Osimen, obviously, as well. Uh, look, uh, could it tip things in Napoli's favour? Why not? Uh, I think so. Obviously, Liao super, super important. And you, we've just touched on the depth of Napoli's attacking quality. So for all the quality that Osimen brings, they're not short of of replacements. It's this is tough to predict. Very, very tough to predict. It was last season corresponding fixture. Napoli got the win, if I recall correctly. So, look, I think historically, recently results have been split between the two clubs. In fact, I've just checked that. Yeah, it was a it was a zero one to to Napoli in uh, the week before Christmas. So. Look, I think Napoli can win this match. Uh, Leal obviously out is a big blow to to Milan. Obviously, last match before the international break. I, I look. I'm tipping a draw in this one. I just can't separate them. But I think this is an early six pointer for the Scudetto, perhaps because there's still plenty of quality. And we we spoke about it earlier. But yes, Leo out, big blow. But Milan and and the, and the team, the unit, that's what you need to beat. So while mm. Milan may not be as free flowing going forward without their their best attacker, but they're still they they've still got the quality as a unit to do some damage. I think this is going to be fascinating. And again. I cannot wait to see him at the San Siro. I think he could be a handful for for the Milan defence, but they've come up against some some tall tasks and have stepped up. So either way, this one can go, but I'm going to sit on the fence and predict a draw. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, guns to the head, you probably would go for a draw. But I do, yeah. I do think that, and it will be interesting to see, I do think that there's one irreplaceable player yep. in this Milan team. It's Rafael Leal, because I look at the rest of their attack and I think Not they the lack same. pace. I think they lack mm. pace without uh, without without Rafael And Napoli do not. Napoli do not. No, they certainly don't. Um, okay, so that's that's going to be an incredible game. That is um, Roma Atalanta is also going to be a really really good game because these are two teams that are up there challenging um, at the moment. Sure. We saw we saw Roma who have been went through a, a, a mini bad run, let's say, mm. uh, but they got back to winning ways against Empoli with DiBala scoring. <laughs> An absolutely magical guy. And I think he's been really, really good so far yeah. this season for, for, for Rome. It's great to see him. And also coming back to the original point about Juventus' medical department, it's, it's also interesting to see how fit he's been this season. No injuries at all, which yeah. makes you wonder whose fault <laughs> it really was. Um, what, have you made, what have you made of Roma so far this season? And also what have you made of Atalanta? Because they, they're doing well out of Europe and they're yeah. kind of just quietly going about their business and they're, they're, they're right up there. They are Atalanta. Obviously, they had that disappointing draw with Cremonese last weekend in Serie A. But I mentioned earlier when we spoke about the race for the top four, I do think that Atalanta, without that distraction of European football this season, I think finishing eighth last season in Serie A will actually be a blessing in disguise. I think we'll see them really – 
not challenge for the title, but I think they're well and truly in the race for the top four. And again, there is obviously the, the break for the World Cup, but coming into that second half of the season, for those five or six clubs still in European football from Serie A, Atalanta are a bit fresher. I, I think it will hold them in good stead and great to see them there at the top of the table with Napoli and Milan, all 14 points. I think they're going to really push. Roma, it's an interesting one. Obviously, many we, we spoke that many were writing Napoli off. Many were all on board the Roma train and Mourinho's going to win the Scudetto this season. Look, obviously, they had that disaster at Udinese uh, a couple of weeks back and the defeat at Ludogorets. They, they'll play Europa League again midweek this time around. I think I think I'm satisfied with with uh, where with Roma are at at the present time. Do they have the the ability to probably push as far as others were suggesting in the lead up to the season? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I I certainly like the arrival of Dybala. How sustainable is this long term? Is it was the J Medical all at fault for his injury issues, or <laughs> will something creep up shortly? I don't know, but I think Roma at their free-flowing best are very attractive to watch. I think they're playing some nice football. They're, they're, they're a great brand. There's a lot of faces in there doing some really nice things. Obviously, Abraham off the back of his last season, Zaniolo, love watching him flourish, and and they're an exciting team. And I think that buzz, I think, is certainly feeding off, obviously, having Mourinho there. So I think they've got a lot of buzz and appeal around the club. I just don't think that they have the quality to go with the likes of Milan and Napoli, as you've touched on, is probably the strongest two all the way this season. But I think this is an interesting one. I wouldn't be surprised if Atalanta go there and get the win. Obviously, Roma with that midweek game as well. Atalanta will be very hungry to respond from those drop points last weekend. So, Again, this one I'd probably tip a draw as well, but if I had to pick a winner, I I think I'd go with Atalanta here to to pull off a win at the Olympico. Yeah, yeah. And is Udinese Inter as well? That's also going to be... That is also a tricky game for for, It's a good day. Sunday's a good day. Yeah, there's some great games. And Udinese are on a four-match winning streak and they have Mm -hmm. two attackers in Beto and Delevea who are real handful, real handful to any any defence, especially an Inter defence that has been leaking a lot of goals so far this season. And then finally, the other big game is, uh, obviously, as we said before, Monza versus Juventus. Huge. Uh, sorry, Monza are at home. I got that wrong before. Um, so Monza are at home. Uh, and yeah, it's um, Giovanni Stroppa got sacked. So they have a caretaker coach uh, in charge, Rafael Palladino, who was actually a former Juventus player. He was, uh, he uh, was. Just over a decade or so ago. Played for Italy as well. He did. And yeah, so <laughs> will Juventus win this game? Well, Palladino... Paladino was actually having a pizza beside me the other night here in my street in Milan. And I think I think he got the call the day after. So look, it's it's a strange one, but when former Juventus players play against Juventus, this is actually my brother's theory, so I'll credit him with this. They always score against Juve. And I find that this time around, if if Paladino is to get a result against his Juventus team, come back to our initial discussion of the conversation, Allegri is sacked on the spot. There is no doubt. There is no shying away from that. So for a Monza team that have one point, that point away to Lecce last weekend, anything but three points here for Juventus, and that's the end of Allegri. There's there's no doubt about it. But again, given what we've seen from Juve this season, even last season, there's no guarantee with anything. Although surely, surely they have to win this match and and yeah, get their season semi back on track, I guess, going into the international break where some big decisions will need to be made. Yeah, it's, 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 I can already picture it. Bellas, as I said before, Bellasconi and Galliani <laughs> getting their former coach, Allegri, sacked. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, it couldn't write it better. Maybe he'll be the next coach of Monza. Who knows? Allegri. Ma- maybe he will. Maybe that's what they're waiting for. Maybe. Maybe that's what they're waiting for. That <laughs> that's what they haven't, the, appoint, they haven't the appointed fish. anyone yet. God. Yeah. Okay. Well, Thanks, thanks so much, uh, Adrian. Absolutely pleasure. brilliant, Absolute fantastic, pleasure. fantastic analysis. You're one of the best, uh, the best footballing minds, uh, Italian footballing minds for sure, um, out kind, there in the man. business. Um, for those of you who don't uh, don't know, you can follow Adrian on Twitter at at Adrian Del Monte, and also on Instagram and Facebook as well. Yeah. I don't I haven't used Facebook for years. Yeah, Instagram and Twitter will do. That's where the magic happens. But yeah. Much yeah. appreciated, man. Good fun as always and anytime. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh so thank thank you so much, Adrian. Um everybody else, we will be back on Monday 
for the review show of the weekend's football and possibly um, talk about Juventus without Allegri. We will see. <laughs> but until then, ciao, ciao.